I please I pray that you please bless these offerings that we extend back to you. All in love and in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Just want everyone to know, uh, children, uh, age uh, four through fourth grade, you are dismissed to go to youth church. If you want to head out that way to uh, kids' church, always a good time. Uh, Several times I come up here and wish I could go because they've probably got a little slide they can go down in that room in there and, you know, watching videos and all that. Hey, listen, um, the nativity scene. You guys, uh, you ever seen a nativity scene before? Just uh, kind of one way to see if you guys are still in the room here. You've seen a nativity scene before. You know what a nativity scene is. And uh, most often, uh, you will see a, a nativity scene, and at a minimum, you will see uh, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, Right? And then maybe if it's a little more upscale, maybe it will have the, uh, uh, the shepherds that are there and it will have maybe, uh, you know, a sheep and a donkey that are uh, kind of uh, in there. When I was, um, when I was a kid, our church, our home church, we did a live nativity scene. And so we'd go, our church was downtown and, and, uh, we'd right there on the sidewalk, they'd build a thing and then the farmers would bring in, uh, you know, a donkey and all kind of, and it was, we had all that stuff there, and you've seen nativity scenes, and then the next level, next level might be that uh, they'll actually have the three wise men, right? The three wise men, they'll be kind of hanging out there, and they'll have their little gifts in their arms, and there'll be a little star up somewhere at the top of that, and, and maybe, you know, if it's all out, then it's going to have sort of an angel that's hovering above that, right? And those are the pieces that you usually find in a nativity scene. Well, this week and, and next week, I want to talk about a couple of more characters that uh, maybe if the whole story was told, uh, you know, they might be included in the nativity scene as well. And uh, maybe maybe you're aware of this fact that, uh, you know, they say the wise men uh, probably did not actually meet Jesus there, at, you know, when Jesus was in the manger, but a couple of years later, because that's when Herod issued a decree that, you know, the uh, the firstborn of the, the, uh, the boys would be born, blah, blah. We'll talk more about that uh, last next week. But um, so there's these characters that are a part of the birth of Jesus and uh, that could be in the nativity scene, if you will. And so one of the people that we're going to talk about today, uh, Ryan just made reference to him just a moment ago, and that's a guy named Simeon. Simeon. Everybody say Simeon. Simeon, Simeon. And so we're going to talk about a guy named Simeon. And we read about a guy named Simeon in the book of Luke. And Luke is sort of telling us the story about the events that surrounded the birth and life of Jesus. And so he starts off in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 21. And he's going to tell of two boom, boom events that kind of happen a few days apart. And he starts off talking about a guy named Simeon. And the story goes like this. He says, Luke chapter 2, verse 31 to 32 says, 21 to 32. On the eighth day, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, Jesus, when he was eight days old, as was the custom, as was the law, the Levitical law, there are 613 Levitical laws, that's what the Jews had to do, is follow the law of uh, the Old Testament law. Uh, we like to say the Ten Commandments, but there were more than that. And so one of the laws was if you have a, a male uh, son, uh, a child, that uh, on the, when he's eight days old, you would take him to the priest and the priest would circumcise the child. And uh, that was something that God put in place because it marked the child. It marked the, the child as being set apart 
uh, to God. It said separated them. Uh, the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles was uh, the circumcised child. They were set apart unto God. Now they were marked, and they were part of God's family. So uh, these the eight days after Jesus was born, it says, on the eighth day, uh, when it was time uh, to circumcise him, it says they took him in. It says, he was named Jesus. That was a part of that eighth day ceremony where they would take him before the priests. And it says, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And so maybe you remember the angel goes and, and tells Mary, you're going to have a child and name him Jesus. And, and so this takes place. Well, that takes place eight days after Jesus was born. They take Jesus to be circumcised. But then all of a sudden, Luke just immediately jumps into another event, a separate event that takes place. And it says this. It says, i got to figure out where I left off here. It says, uh, let's see, given him before uh, he had been conceived. And then it jumps down here in verse uh, 22. When the time of their purification, according to the law, again, the law of Moses, uh, had been uh, completed. And so listen to this. When was this next piece of the puzzle here? The next piece of the puzzle was... Um, According to the law, eight days after you had your son, you would have him circumcised. If you had a male child, 40 days after, you would take the, your, your child into the temple. If you had a little daughter, uh, then 80 days after you had a little daughter, you would take the baby and you would take him into uh, Leo. Yeah, Leo's with us today. <clears throat> All right. And so... Uh, little Leo, when Leo, yeah. And so, uh, and so, uh, 40, if you had a son, for, uh, 40 days after your child was born, you would take him into the, uh, temple. If you had a daughter, 80 days afterwards, and there was a, another part of the law that was this, uh, um, it was a ceremony in which you would go back and you would redeem your child. Okay? Uh, you would take your, uh, 40, so this would be 40 days after Jesus was born. They make their way to the temple and they have to redeem their child. What's that mean? Uh, they would buy their child back from God. Well, what's that mean? They would go into the temple and they would take two small birds and they would make a sacrifice in the temple and they would say, dear God, uh, we want our child. We want to redeem our child from you. Your child, we want to raise your child. And so they were acknowledging, we get it. All life comes from God. And we were blessed with the child. We give the child over to you, God. It's your child. But we go in, we make a sacrifice, and we say, we want to raise our child to know you. Now today, what we do, uh, we did that a little while ago with, with little Leo. Uh, we do a parent dedication where the parents come up and say, will you raise your child to know Jesus? And yes, we will. It's that kind of a thing. So here they are, 40 days after Jesus was born. They make their way into the temple, and these are the events that took place, an event that took place while they were there. Let me look at my notes. It says, Verse 22, uh, when the time had come for the, par- for the purification, according to the law of Moses, uh, had been completed, so they went in there, uh, Joseph and Mary... Uh, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Okay, so they, they took care of the circumcision. Now they're going to make their way over and they present him to the Lord. This would have been that redemption sacrifice they made. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. This is where Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus into the temple uh, for the purification ceremony. So, and there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Who was a righteous, who was righteous and devout, 
He was waiting for the consolation. Okay, uh, the consolation of Israel. All right. So if you have your Bible and you got a little pencil there or pen, uh, you just take and go up to where it says consolation and you just kind of cross out consolation and then you write right above that source of comfort. That's what the word consolation means from the original language. Source of comfort. And so while Simeon was there in the temple waiting for the source of comfort to arrive, that is the consolation, that's what it's talking about. Jesus says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation or the source of comfort of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he, had a, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Christ as a title, the Messiah, the Savior. Simeon was not going to die until he had laid his eyes on the one who God was going to send to save the people of Israel and to save the world. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the uh, parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And that that's a big deal because the, Gentile, the Jews would have looked at the Gentiles and say, they're not a part of our group. And all of a sudden, here he is announcing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, this is going to be a light for not only the Jews. I'm glad to see the comforter of the Jews, but I'm also glad to see that the light for the Gentiles is there and the glory of your people, Israel. <clears throat> Simeon was there, and he had just seen Jesus, the Savior, arrive. Now listen, uh, it's kind of an interesting story. As I said, I believe uh, Simeon could be one of the characters that you could add uh, to uh, the nativity because it's a part of the story of here's another person that is announcing who Jesus, this baby, is. The light to the Gentiles, and he's going to be the Savior. He's, going to, he's the light. He is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah, and he has arrived here on earth. Now, what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to sort of extrapolate here. I'm going to pull out four things that I think we can learn from the events that we just saw take place in the life of Simeon. Are you ready? You got your pens ready, and you got your bulletins out, and you know there's an outline there, and so those blanks are there to be filled in, and so we'll move forward. Are you ready? Here we go. Write this down. Simeon, Simeon was looking for Jesus when he found him. That's profound. Simeon was looking for Jesus when he found him. Have you found Jesus? Simeon was looking for Jesus when he found him. In the NIV, in verse 25, it says he was waiting for him. He was waiting for Jesus to arrive. And if you have a revised standard version, it says that he was looking for him. If you have the good news translation and you're reading uh, that, uh, it says he was constantly expecting, consistently expecting. He was waiting. Is today the day I get to see Jesus? Is today the day I get to see Jesus? 
And so Simeon was looking for Jesus when he found him. And so we have to ask ourselves, is, it, is, that, is that me? Is it, do I fit into the story here? And so can I learn from sin? He was looking for Jesus when he found him. And who was he looking for? He was looking for the comforter of Israel. Now, why? how and why? Why would he have been looking for that? Now, why does he say, I'm looking for and I'm anticipating the comforter of Israel? Well, uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, look at all these verses. Isaiah chapter 40 and chapter uh, 49 and chapter 51 and 57 and 66. Over and over and over, here's a book of the Bible that was written 700 years before Jesus shows up. And it says that God is going to send the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. And over and over and over, it refers to him as he is going to be the comforter of the people, the comforter of the people. And so he was anticipating that the comforter uh, would arrive. I, I, oh, my wife is so good to me. We have a down comforter on our bed. We have a big old pillowy, fluffy thing, and you just pull that thing up over you at night when you, it's so soft, and you know, I wrap that thing around my legs and my arms, and kind of cuddle all up inside of that thing. It's so comforting, the comforter. That really is the way, that's a way, a way. There are many ways that we look at Jesus, but we can think about Jesus as the comforter when you are uncomfortable that Jesus wants to come and wrap his love around you and be close to you and smother you up in his comfort. Simeon was looking, looking for Jesus when he found him. Occasionally I run into people and have little mini conversations and they find out that uh, I'm a preacher, and so then they want to kind of do a little bit of uh, religious jousting with me. And, and sometimes people might say, uh, you know, how can you believe some of that stuff that's in the Bible? And here's what I know. They're rarely looking to find Jesus. They're looking to find excuses. They're looking to find loopholes. But they're not looking to find Jesus. Simeon was looking for Jesus. Think about this. He was not preoccupied. Write that down. He was not preoccupied. Man, we get preoccupied. From the time we wake up in the morning until the time we go to bed at night, we are preoccupied. Um, you know, here's what happened across America is uh, people got up today and they turned on the television and the first thing that they saw was that there were tornadoes that ripped through Kentucky. Anybody else see that today? Anybody, anybody, anybody? And nobody wants to admit it. All right. And so uh, you saw that, right? And so that takes place, right? And then, you know, what happens after that? And this is just your minds all begin to start to go. Uh, there's a certain segment of the population uh, that they have empathy and they go, oh man, maybe we we can go there and we can help. There's another segment of the population that uh, maybe they see something like that. And the first thing that they think is, see, global warming is true and we got to shut that down. And they just, they jump over that. There's a certain segment of the population uh, that would do that. And so there's all kinds of things all over the place, right? And so we get up in the morning, we turn on the news and that sorts of jump around in our mind. Well, and then maybe while you're getting ready, you get a text and, and maybe there's somebody at work that's trying to communicate with you. And so, you know, that becomes the rabbit tail that you, and then you get to work and now all of a sudden there's this 
list of things that you need to do, and people are trying to get a hold of you and contact you, and so uh, you go there, and then, uh, you know, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you can't get anything done because there's this screaming voice in your head coming from your belly saying, I'm hungry, right? And so then you start to think about lunch, and you eat lunch, and then there's another part of your brain that says, you just ate. It's time for a nap, right? And so you go, you're never not occupied in your mind. You're thinking, 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 thinking. Simeon wasn't. He said, I need to set aside time to be looking for my Jesus, my Christ. I need to be carving time out to be mindful of Jesus. He was not without expectation. He was not without expectation. He was anticipating. Today, today might be the day I see Jesus. We can do that all the time now. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is still alive and active and well. Uh, we can still communicate and learn all the things that Jesus wants us to know about him through Scripture. And so we can be expecting to have an encounter with Jesus today if our mind is open to the idea of maybe there's somebody that needs to hear about Jesus or be comforted by Jesus, and I can be his hands and feet, and I can be interactive that way, and I can be expecting that the problem is we don't have have very good expectors. And they have to be intentional to be thinking about Jesus. Simeon was. He was not without expectation. He was not without, or he was not preoccupied, and he was not unintentional. Unintentional. Listen. Um, <clears throat> Think about your car, the year-making model of your car. And now think about way back when you first got that car. Whatever car you're driving, think about when you first got that car. Think about when you were shopping for that car. And so you were, you were kind of thinking, what kind of car do I want? What kind of car do I want? Huh, you know? And you, maybe, maybe there was a certain price range. You were, you were looking in that price range. Maybe there's a particular color. Maybe there was a certain uh, amount of horsepower that you had to have. And this is the number. No horsepower below that has to be that or above, right? Whatever it was that you were looking for, you were thinking about the car, and then you got that car. Whatever year, make, and model you're driving, uh, you think uh, you got that car, and you thought, oh, I like this car, and you bought that car. But then you know what else you thought? Uh, what else you thought was this. You thought, during those first two weeks, you were driving that new car to you. You were driving around going, holy cow, there's, they got one too. There's one. They've got one. They've got one. You ever, have, did it happen to you? It happened when you get your car, all of a sudden you think it's unique to you, and then all of a sudden you look around, everybody's got that. You know, before you were unintentional about seeing that everywhere, and then you became intentional about seeing that everywhere, right? And so, uh, for example, um, raise your hand if you can see somebody that's wearing something red. And the hands go up because all of a sudden everybody in the room looked around and said, huh, I want to find something red, right? And so you found something red. Why? Because you became intentional. You were not unintentional. You were looking for it. Simeon was looking and expecting and intentional. Set time aside. And he said, I'm looking for question is Jesus in you do you feel like Jesus is with you throughout the week 
and you know in your workplace and when you're having conversations and when good things are happening and bad things is he there or is he is that you know we'll catch up with him next Sunday morning you know between uh, 10:45 and 11:45 right that it just it works it makes sense do you know that scripture over and over and over again it tells us to be watchful and to be thinking about and and be and make impressions listen to all these bible Matthew chapter 16 be careful Jesus said to them be on your guard. Luke said and later on in chapter 12, he says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. In Matthew, he says, be on your guard against men. So there's greed you got to be on guard. And there's people you got to be on guard for. And Jesus wants to come alongside you. First Corinthians, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful. Romans chapter 12, be careful to do what is right. It's easy to do what's wrong. Sometimes you have to be careful in order to accomplish the right thing. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Hebrews says, be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short. In the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, it says, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law. That means pay attention to scripture, be in your Bible, be intentional about having Jesus be a part of your life. We can learn that from Simeon. So you guys, when you get home today, maybe you're a whittler and you get a little piece of wood and you whittle and you can whittle out a little Simeon and put him there in your nativity scene. Maybe you're a drawer and you can draw a little picture of Simeon and you can add him to your nativity scene because Simeon's a good guy. We can learn from Simeon. Simeon was he was looking for Jesus when he found him? Are you are you looking for Jesus? How do you look? How do you go about looking for Jesus? Write this down. He went to the right place to find Jesus. He went to the right place to find Jesus. He went to the right place. If this story was written today, it wouldn't say that Simeon went to the temple court. It would say Simeon went to church. That's where God's people gather is in the church, and so Simeon essentially went to be where the community and the fellowship of the godly people were in the temple. And so here's the answer. Go to church. Be involved in church. Be a part of church. He went to church. A church is to be a, church is to be a couple of things. Here's a picture. Look at this picture. A church is to be a military command center. I don't know if you know that or not, but a church, if you've been around here for the last several weeks, we were talking about make me a copy. We said that the church is kind of like a copy machine. And so you take that blank sheet of paper and you slide it into the copy machine that's imprinted with the light. And then it comes out where duplicating and the church is supposed to be this duplication center of make me a copy of Jesus. Make me to be like Jesus. But a church is also supposed to be a military command center. And so there's all those people in a military command center, and they're there, and, uh, and what are they doing? What are they doing while they're there, right? They are, uh, are, they, are they writing the policy? Uh, are they trying to figure out what's next? Or are they waiting to hear from the commander? They're waiting to hear from the commander, right? And so um, one of those guys doesn't just show up at work one day and say, hmm, it's a good day for war. What do you think? You know, yeah, let's start one, right? No, they're waiting to hear from the commander. And then once they hear from the commander, then they figure out what's the strategy? What are we going to do? How can we implement it the best? How can we be the most strategic? We want the good guys to win and we want the bad guys to lose. Let's go out and attack, right? That's what they, and so the church 
we come together to hear from the commander, to be reminded uh, that there's a bad guy out there. Uh, how can we defeat him? Uh, there's a good guy out there. That's Jesus. How can we share him? And so it's a, and then it's also a church is this. It's also a hospital, right? It's also a hospital. And so uh, you've heard this old line, uh, the church, uh, the church is supposed to be a hospital for sinners, not a what? Nobody's heard this thing. A museum, not a museum for the saints. The church is supposed to be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for the saints, right? A museum, you know? And um, yesterday I was driving around down by the Figgy Art Museum. You guys, have you been to the Figgy? Anybody been to the Figgy? Figgy, Figgy? And so what do they put in the Figgy, right? They take some sculpture and they put it there and then people, uh, they make their way down to the museum and they go, Ooh, right? And then they leave it there and then they go off and go about their thing, right? Uh, we are, the church is to be a hospital for sinners. It's to be a place where they come and they hear about Jesus and they hear that Jesus be a, he's a comforter and he is love and he is grace and he is kind. It's a place that you, you get your soul fed and you, you're made well when you're hurting or distressed. And you get put back into, into military fit condition so that you can engage in the battle that's out there because Jesus tells us to get out there and tell people about the love that he has. Scripture is very clear about this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13 says this. Finally he says, be strong, be strong. <clears throat> Everybody say wimpy. Say wimpy. No, it doesn't say that. So be strong, strong. Now I could flex right now and show you all what that looks like, but I don't want to rip my shirt. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can, you can what? You can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then he tells us this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We don't need to wage war against each other. And we don't need to, uh, against our fellow man. But against the rulers and the authorities. And against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. There's a spiritual battle that's taking place. And the enemy wants to crush us spiritually. He wants us to not be mindful of Jesus. The enemy does not want us to wake up in the morning expecting to see Jesus. He wants us to look in the mirror and see the problems that we have. He wants us to be overwhelmed with the problems that are around us and to be depressed and to be angry with people that are frustrating to us so that we go around pouting instead of saying, God is good and God has introduced me to his son and his spirit is within me and there is joy and there is peace and there is comfort in knowing him. Dear God, help me to be a comfort to others that are around me. Bible says this. It says it's a military command. It's also a hospital. John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another. We are to be a people of love. 
Simeon. Simeon was this guy that shows up and he says, man, I really want to see Jesus. I really, really want to see Jesus. And so what did he do? He looked for Jesus and he found him. And he was looking for him when he found him. And then he went to the right place to find Jesus. Make sure that you're in church. Make sure you invite people to church. And when you encounter people that are struggling uh, with uh, biblical concepts or about Jesus or salvation or faith, you invite them. Say, you need to be in church because we are a military command center that's training, but we're also a hospital and we love people. I want, I want you to know that it's been my observation that this church, y'all, are good at welcoming people in. You do that very well. You're not standoffish. You embrace people and you invite them in. And that's good. Listen, next one. Write this down. Simeon, Simeon, he personally received Jesus. Read about it there in verse 28. He he picks up Jesus and holds him in his arms. He personally received Jesus. Now, Simeon was able to do something uh, uh, literally that we can perhaps do Uh, uh, metaphorically or symbolically, okay? He received him with all five senses. We can sort of give Jesus or receive Jesus with all five senses in a way, in a way. Uh, We all know when something stinks, but we also know when something smells really good, right? And so uh, we are the people that get to uh, sort of show and display and put on display whether or not Jesus stinks or not. There are people in groups, uh, they make Jesus look like Jesus stinks. But we can be a people that don't make Jesus look like he stinks. We can make Jesus be a pleasant aroma. When you walk into the room and they know you know Jesus, do you come at them like a pleasant aroma? Uh, Simeon got to hold and look at and touch Jesus. But you've heard the expression, uh, you touched my heart. You touched my heart. We get to be a people that other people can have their heart touched by Jesus through us. Uh, uh, You know that there are things that are bitter and sour. And then there are things, uh, they're, they're unpalatable. And we know that there are things that are very palatable. Hmm, I want more of that. I've had a small taste. I want more. We get to be uh, the people that put Jesus on display in that way. And so uh, Simeon, he personally received Jesus. Here's, here, here's the question. Have you? Have you received Jesus? Have you accepted him? Have you made him a part of your life? And then have you experienced him in a way that he smells good and feels good and is good? And if you've not had that experience yet, dig in. It's time to learn. Put yourself around some people that can help you to better know Jesus. Simeon, he was looking for Jesus when he found him. Are you looking for him? He went to the right place to find Jesus. I hope that's what you're doing. He personally received Jesus. I want you to personally receive Jesus. Last one, write this down. When you receive Jesus, you are prepared to die. When you receive Jesus, you are prepared to die. That's what Simeon said. He said, now that I've seen Jesus, I am prepared 
to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I wrote this uh, little article. Maybe you already read the little article in the uh, uh, December newsletter. And I just kind of tell this little story in there that uh, <clears throat> when I was a kid, when I was a kid, what did Christmas mean to me when I was a kid? Well, it meant, it meant all of that right over there. It meant getting up really, 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 really annoyingly early. Um, and I didn't learn how annoyingly early it was until I had my own kids. They got up really, really annoyingly. Right, get up Christmas Day and all you, you just can't wait to, you know, crack the door open and look out there and to see all the presents under the tree and so excited and so excited. And then and thinking about, you know, Christmas was really, really exciting when I was a kid. But you get older, and then it loses some of its excitement that way. And then I ask myself the question, um, what about Christmas is exciting now? And I had to think about that. When Jesus arrived and we celebrate Christmas as a kid, it's all about what do I get and was exciting. But then I really thought about what does it mean now? And I thought about my dad. You know that he passed away a little over a year ago. And my dad, my dad experienced something because he knew Jesus. There was no two ways about it. It was not a question mark. He knew and loved Jesus. He knew his Bible. He was actively engaged in the church. He worked for the church and in the church, and I meant volunteered in the church. He knew Jesus. He's a good Christian man. I thought, when he died, he was... Christmas. Christmas is the introduction of Jesus to us here on earth. But when my dad died, he got introduced to Jesus for real. Right there. In person. That's pretty good Christmas. That's pretty good announcement of the arrival of my dad, Earl, to Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Simeon knew Jesus. He was anticipating Jesus. He got close to Jesus. And he knew, because I now have Jesus, I'm ready to die. There's more beyond this life than this life. And I'm ready. And I'm ready. Ask yourself this question. Do I know Jesus? You know, there's something that Jesus wants you to do. If you don't know him... He wants you to be baptized into him. We saw Corey get baptized last week. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know that Jesus wants you to be baptized into Christ, to put your old life behind you, to be raised, to to live a new life for Jesus. If you do know Jesus, we're supposed to be like Simeon. Anticipate, share, let other people know who Jesus is. Listen. Maybe right now you're thinking, uh, yeah, some days I go through the whole day and I, I'm just too busy and I, I know I should, but I, I know I should, but I, 
Maybe just write something down in your bulletin right now. Maybe, maybe Monday morning before you go to work. Uh, maybe, maybe Wednesday at lunch you're going to open your Bible. Maybe there's a time this week you're going to try something new and meet with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus and you want to be baptized into him, that's a conversation that I'd like to have with you. Just come and find me. We'll talk. Let's pray. Father God, you love us so much that you gave your son. Father, thank you for the gospels that record the events of the arrival of your son. Help us to draw close to you. For you are good. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.